What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of the Sunday Call-In Show presented by UGASports.com. I'm your host, Paul Meharry, joined by my co-host, as always, Jason Butt and Ben Choppy Bachman. Guys, we're going to get into the NFL draft. We talked about it last week, kind of an NFL draft primer. Now we know where all these guys are headed. Some guys fell. Uh, I don't know if any guys really rose, but we'll talk about that. And... Uh, why are the Falcons allergic to the dogs? That's the that's the headline of this video. The Falcons are allergic to the dogs. We'll touch on that. Um, but, you know, first off, before we do that, like we do every week, the link is in the description of this video on YouTube and Facebook. You can join us if you so dare to put your face out there or just do audio. You'll come into a virtual waiting room and I'll add you on to the show. What that means is you can come on and give your opinion of what happened uh, in this draft from Thursday to late Saturday. It was a long draft. Uh, they've really drugged this thing out. So uh, we're going to drag out the show as long as we can, too. And uh, if you don't feel like joining us, as always, we want to know where you're watching us from, guys and ladies. So uh, put that into the chat. We'll get you up on the screen. And uh, we're going to jump right into it. 90 seconds of me talking. Before we get started, though, Jason and Ben. I know Ben was, like, attached to his TV. Ben loves the NFL draft. So do I. Um, but, uh, yeah. you know, what? that's, that's pretty also much Also, notifications on. There's, like, there's oh, two guys- or three Twitter accounts that just every pick, they'll just tell you. Yeah, and I was they- like, okay, when I, when I went away, I was like, okay, notification. Kenny McIntosh got us that story set up. Yeah. You know, I'm reliable. Yeah. So uh, I'm an asset to this site. So, so we had the draft show with uh, the players section, which is uh, TK, No Sean, and Blaine. And I got on there and I was watching Pat McAfee on YouTube and he was like five or six minutes ahead of the actual NFL draft. So I was just spoiling picks. Uh, I spoiled the Bijan pick. Uh, no Sean was very upset about that. He, he was still watching on TV. He was like on pick six. So it was a good time. But uh, guys, what about these Georgia Bulldogs? Jalen Carter was the first one to go. Uh, he went to the Eagles, pick nine, and uh, right after the Atlanta Falcons pick. Jason, but you've covered the Atlanta Falcons. You've covered the Georgia Bulldogs. Why was Jalen Carter not a Georgia Bulldog? Because of sheer stupidity. Mm, wow. Thanks for coming in hot tonight, Jason. Let's go, baby. I like it. Look, they're – they shouldn't be beholden to pick Georgia players. I think that's it's kind of silly when you when people say it just like that at face value. Like they should take Georgia players. Well, no, you take the best player who's available. The best player available at number eight was Jalen Carter. Preach it, it was not Bijan Robinson. Preach it, especially oh, the fact that you fact you you bring in the fact that this is a running back. Mm-hmm. Have we have we learned nothing? <laughs> I mean, if if you're if you're the Atlanta Falcons and then the Detroit Lions at twelve, how have have they learned nothing? I mean, the NFL never fails to amaze with stupidity and people in front offices who think they're smarter than everybody else. And I love Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith just just did it again. And people complained about the past regime. And somehow this group has has been worse in the last three years. On top of that, they can't get Rich McKay out of the whole thing there, and that just muddies it up even more. And that's what you get. You need to rebuild on both lines of scrimmage, and you need to have a plan moving forward, and you go unicorn, 
receiver unicorn, and you think you're going to build a roster, a championship roster with this. This man, Ben, this man came tonight and he said, let me cook. Jason is cooking. He's been in the kitchen for a couple of days. I'm waiting, and I know it's going to come at some point, for the Paul Signature Falcons draft rant because it's justified. So Paul's going to have his rant at some point. It's going to go like close to at least five minutes. Yeah. But I will say before that, I'll talk quick about UGA and Falcons. Number one, I mean, you're supposed to be a running football team, and last year you picked like the third best receiver with like the eighth pick in the draft. That makes no sense. None. That makes zero sense when you're supposed to be a running team. This year you pick a running back over Jalen Carter. And the reason why they did it, which it's not smart, but the reason why they did it was because of the optics. They didn't want the optics of taking Jalen Carter. They just – they didn't. Because last year, Philadelphia's the one team that, one, they trust, okay, if the guy's got a medical or the guy's got an off-field, but we have enough culture to take him in, we'll take him in and we'll make him a star. They should If you have a good culture and you have enough trust – you should be able to take Nicobe Dean's a first round talent. He should not have been there in the third round. Jalen Carter should have been picked earlier than the ninth pick. Uh, or yeah, the ninth pick. It is stupidity by Atlanta to take a running back because even Todd Gurley was top 10 pick out of Georgia, for example, lasted four to five years, had four to five really good years, and then boom, fell right off. You guys are Falcons fans. You guys know he was there for that one year. It was not the same. You're not getting a 10 – you want to get a 10-plus year face of your franchise with a top 10 draft pick. A running back, even if Bijan is his top five back, he's only going to be that for four or five years. And what level of impact is he going to have? You you can have any middle-of-the-pack running back. If you have a top 10 O-line, he's going to look better in yards per carry and yards just because you're O-line. So I don't get that at all. But also when it comes to the Georgia guys, I thought Broderick got picked at the ideal pick. And Nolan, entering the year, I thought he was going to be a late first, which he was. But I thought after the combine, he should have been picked in the top half of the first round. So him falling to Philly, I mean, Philadelphia loves Georgia. And I think the funniest part of all this is that a Florida grad is saying, I got to have Georgia players. I just think that's, that's pretty funny. Um, uh, Andy, I see you. I'm going to get to you. We've got somebody, Texas Mad Dog. You don't have a, you don't have a uh, camera up. So let's see. I don't, oh, your devices are not connected anymore. Uh Oh, you're okay. You're back. Let's let's. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a shot. Okay, you got a camera. Okay, okay. What's up, man? How's it going? Yes, sir. I'm doing well, man. Just enjoying uh, a beautiful day out here in Texas. Got my my national champion back. Uh, nice. I think this is the uh, first year, or second year. That's I don't, I don't know, year. but nevertheless, it's uh, it's looking good. But I'm glad to be on. Uh, huge Georgia fan. Uh, just had a few questions for y'all. One of them being. If we're looking at next year's draft, how high do you think Brock Bowers goes? And if we had to say other first-rounders going next year, who who would that be? And I I heard we have a a Falcons uh, beat writer or something here. Uh, What the hell's going on with them? And do we have any chance of drafting Georgia players next year? Yeah, so so, uh, I'll take the first part. I'll let Jason take the second part. He used to be a former beat writer for the Falcons. Um, First part, I think you could see Brock Bowers as high as number three. I really do. I think uh, Caleb Williams is going to – I think Caleb Williams is number one next year. It doesn't matter who who's taking him. It's going to be number one. Marvin Harrison's probably up there or, like, one of those offensive tackles. And I, I think Brock Bowers is probably third. Like, he, I, Kyle Pitts went fourth. He's the highest tight end ever drafted, right? Right. Uh, I think he could beat that. He's, he's better than Kyle Pitts. Uh, it depends on do teams really want to put that much weight into a tight end. We saw a ton of tight ends this draft get drafted. 
So right. I wonder, you know, how those guys pan out. Uh, but I could see him as high as third. Jason, I'll let you take a second part of that question. Yeah, I, I gotta. I don't know if I see him as high as third. I just want to. No, I think that again, really? the, it's the Falcons that took the guy at four, and they shouldn't. They should have <laughs> taken Justin Fields. I mean, let's let's be real here. But yeah, uh, the Falcons. I, I don't know. I really don't. I mean, they clearly don't know anything about Georgia's football program because they took Justin Schaefer over Jamari Sawyer last year. I mean. Right. I don't know what it is with these guys. I mean, I don't think that there's some inherent bias. I don't. I don't buy into that. They just don't, for whatever reason. Uh, this, especially this group, they're they're just they have their preferences, and it's not hasn't been this Georgia group for the last two years, which is surprising, given uh, especially the premier guys, I should say, and and that is surprising, given the need to build defense, the need to look long term on the lines of scrimmage, and uh, the fact that they're back to back national champions. So. Uh, maybe next year's the year where, where they they take one of those premier guys, but uh, I, I you know I'll believe it when I see it. Well, I didn't I didn't mean to cut you off or anything. I saw a longtime listener, Red on Red, I believe Womack mentioned mm-hmm. that he he sees Amarius Mims going top fifteen, and I agree with him. But I haven't heard much draft you know buzz around Amarius, which is surprising given his size and you know really agility on at tackle. Yeah, I, I think you know. He is a right tackle. Georgia likes him at right tackle. So I think that's probably why you haven't heard much. And he didn't get to start much last year. So, yeah. uh, you know, he'll, he'll get his chance this year to really shine. And uh, Georgia, I mean, tackles have been crazy the past few years. Right. Roger Jones, Sawyer, McClendon, Andrew Tom. I mean, the list just goes on and on of, of tackles they put in the league. Amarius will be that right there with him too, I think. And it's a good tackle class next year because Joe Alt from Notre Dame and the kid yep. from Penn State supposed to be top five. Like, yep. You were saying, where does Bowers go? I think top five. Reason I don't say lock. I mean, he could go top three, but I think top five because I saw all the he, prospect big boards. He, he real quick, real quick. He asked how high he could go. I said top three. I, I didn't say where. Oh, like I'm not the highest, that in. Yeah, yeah. I, I see, see, him, I see him going top five because Caleb Williams, Drake May, and then there's Marvin Harrison and the tackle from Penn State. They're the only other guys that anyone has ranked higher than Bowers anywhere in terms of prospects. So Bowers was one of the five or six best prospects. And if he was in this year's draft, he probably would have been easily picked in the top 10. Like he would have been the best pass catcher by far. I don't even right. think it's debatable. I think next year, like a lot of this depends on who has a good year. I think Lassiter could go first round. I think Smell Munden could be the first linebacker of the board. Cause I think he tests phenomenally. And then yeah, Mims and the, the sleeper is does Carson Beck go off? Because if Jason right. Buck's saying he's going to the Heisman, he's going to be the Heisman. Heisman finalist. I didn't say he will win. Oh, what about Devon Bullard? Devon Bullard could be a first round pick. I just think they're going to knock him for sl- size. Oh, I think he might be yeah, a second round. I agree. And I'll leave y'all with this, and then I got to make my way out here. Um, I heard you mention uh, my boy Smile Munden, so I want to get everybody's take on this. Do you think Smile Munden will go higher than Quay Walker, or he's going to go um, somewhere lower than Quay? Hmm. What was Quay? Thirty? What was Quay last year? Twenty-two. Was he? I believe so. He was. I think it's going to be identical. Let's see. Quay was. Yeah, Quay was picked twenty-second. Um, Ooh, no, I he's not. He's not, man. He's not going as high as Quay, though. No, I think, I think it's the same. 
If he has if he has a good year, like we would expect, I think anywhere between fifteen and thirty two is likely. I mean, I, so well, here's yeah. here's one thing I don't think you guys are taking into account. You take a guy like Trevon Walker. I mean, he didn't play as well as he as he should have when he got drafted, but he went into the combine and absolutely tore it up. Yeah, right. I have a hard time thinking Small Money is not going to go in there and be one of the you know sub four or five guys, you know, forty inch verticals, you know, going to be all over the field. So yeah. uh, I think with that coming into play, you know, he could be a top fifteen pick. So, well, hey man, you got you got a uh, MAF eighteen twenty four agreeing with you in the chat, so you're doing something right. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, Paul, you also have to say this. All of us watched, you know, the the film and the and the game tape live of Nicobe Dean and Quay Walker. You could tell Nicobe Dean's the better player, and Quay Walker still went first. You're right. You're so, right. So you can't so you can't convince me otherwise. The NFL wouldn't still pick. It's, you know, it'll London probably be the same thing with Dumas Johnson and, and Munden. Probably the same exact thing. Yeah, I see, I see Jamon going somewhere in the second to third round if he comes out. But uh, I'd like to see him stay another year. Um, but we, that probably won't happen. But uh, good talking to you, fellas. Yeah, Go man, dogs. we appreciate you. Love, love, love mm-hmm. you guys' content, and I hope y'all have a wonderful day. Hey, man, you too. Take it easy out there in Texas. Appreciate it. Hold on. Yeah, right, you buddy. take care. Yeah. Let's get uh, Andy Stowe in here. Andy, what's going on, man? Hey, guys, how's it going? Doing all right. Doing all right. So, uh, you know, we're just we're just talking about how these. Uh, we haven't even really got into the, the the actual Georgia guys getting drafted besides Jalen Carter, but we're really just you know harping right now on on the Falcons being allergic to dogs and. Um, damn, if it if it didn't fall perfectly with uh-huh. with Jalen Carter coming, uh, well, still being on the board, right? Falcons what? are there; it's a need, and they don't <laughs> take them. And so, uh, Andy, I know you follow a ton of folks on Twitter, and you you see all this, and and they've all they've all stated, well, you know, the Falcons brought in twenty five sacks uh, in the off season with players they brought in. That, no. Yeah. So, so Andy, you're, you're a, you're a diehard Falcon dog fan. Are you now switching allegiances to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles? <laughs> okay. So no, <laughs> I'll never pull for a Philadelphia team. <laughs> um, I pull for the, for the dogs. I pull for the Braves. I pull for the Falcons. So even, even though they're stupid, I'll pull for them. But like, you know, like, like, I don't care. It's not that I'm because he's a bulldog that they didn't take him that I'm mad about. It's, you know, like, if say if Alabama, when they're rolling, or Clemson, or even if Florida's rolling, whatever, take the players from the best teams. And, I, I mean, B. John Robinson, like, he got 52 yards versus Alabama on the ground. And I know he got 73 or whatever in the air. But, like, that's the only defense with a pulse they played. And mm. I, I just – I don't see the value. I just don't – like, when you got a generational – defensive tackle i don't care if he plays at georgia or bama or ohio state whatever take the guy i mean it's 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 just dumb that's just the falcons and and then like even the second pig is that matching bergeron yeah he, um, oh, i mean like, they had him projected to go 56 and the falcons they, they traded up one traded up yeah why not you know <laughs> trade it for this guy syracuse syracuse i don't even know if he can block me and i'm five foot eight and 160 pounds i mean <laughs> So it's like, really, like, come on, how do they – that's what it gets me. I just don't know where they come up with these ideas. I will say this, though. They did take a DB. Oh, yeah. offensive lineman from Alabama and, and South Carolina in the seventh round. Most of the time they're going to Southwestern State University in the seventh round, being True. the smartest guy in the room. So I will give them that. That's a plus. I'll, I'll say that's a plus. But I just – 
I don't know. Falcons, they falcon it up every year. I, I just don't understand. I like that. Falcon it up every year. Yeah. They did. I mean, yeah, that was that was tough. Um, Ben, you're a Ravens guy. Before we kind of go, congrats on Lamar Jackson. Sorry, to, sorry, yeah, to interrupt. yeah. Congrats on getting back. Well, Paul, you wanted Lamar, right? I, oh God, yes. I, this offense is made for Lamar. What are you talking about? This is the quintessential Lamar offense down here in Atlanta now. And here's I, know, I just talked to a couple. Okay, you know what? You know what? You started it. You started it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. You did it. I can see it last year, so I'm ready for this. And here's here's the thing. Look. If the Falcons were going to draft B. John Robinson at eight, that was their plan all along, right? Because obviously it was. Jalen Carter, the best player available, was sitting right there, okay? And you had Algier last year run for 1,000 yards. You have Cordell Patterson, who was very serviceable, who showed you that he can be a Swiss Army knife and can be in the backfield. If if your plan going into this draft was to draft B. John Robinson at eight and not take Jalen Carter, who fell to you, then you have to. You have to make that trade for Lamar Jackson because at that point, that point, you're only giving up one first round pick because you're you're wasting it on Bijan Robinson. You don't need him if you bring in Lamar, right? Then you're just giving one one first round pick for Lamar Jackson. Instead, we're here with Desmond Ritter, who I don't know. I, I live right down the street from Flowery Branch, the the, the facility. I don't I don't know if if the custodians there trust Desmond Ritter, <laughs> much less the, the GM and, and the head coach. And we're stuck with him now, as opposed to. This whole thing could have changed, right? Lamar Jackson, you want to talk about selling tickets? Arthur Blank is a, is a businessman. You sell you sell the stadium out. You sell the stadium out if you get Lamar Jackson. But anyways, I, my blood pressure is rising right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm zooming, Ben. You pass on Jalen Carter, and then, and I, I want to trust this. I want to believe this, guys. I really do. Um I want to believe this that the Falcons were trying to get up for Nolan Smith, and they couldn't, because that was that was what they were saying, right? The Falcons wanted to get back into the first round, um, and they and they didn't do it. The, uh, Clay Melton says, "And put the Falcons in salary cap hell for the next eight years." Just got out of that. No thanks. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Either salary cap hell, or we're just going to be in pure hell and not win games. Real quick, remember, remember last year they division's awful though. Remember last year they tried to go all in for as much as they could for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, yeah. And then they decided yeah. Lamar wasn't wasn't what they wanted. So a guy who like raped like twenty eight women, you'd rather get him. Than <laughs> they make absolutely they make absolutely no sense as a as an organization. Oh, that, that's a rough look, buddy. Yeah, so we're gonna pass on Jalen Carter for driving fast, but. Hey, if this guy raped 28 women, you know what? We'll give up the two first. We'll give you a big ass contract. The Look, hell, Paul. Look. And so that's that's where I am. I did not want them to sign um, um, Lamar Jackson because I was like, build the line and do all that. If I'd have known they were just going to get a halfback, yes, yeah, sign him and, or trade for him and do it. Because what's the point? Like if you're if you're not going to to help out, I mean, I know they gave him a halfback, but if you're not going to help out Desmond Ritter. And I don't think he's the answer, but, you know, I'm like, are they at that point to go out and make the big splash? But if you're just going to get a halfback, why not just go ahead and get the elite quarterback and try it and see? Because that's that's how I am. Like, if, if this was the plan, like you said, the whole time, go ahead, dude. Just go ahead and make the trade. That's what what, What's the difference to me? Y'all, y'all, it may, may be someone smarter than I am here, but what's, what's the difference between B. John Robinson and Zach Charbonnet for, for what they do as an offense in Atlanta? So why Bijan Robinson at eight when you could have gotten Zach Charbonnet or, because, or a back like that 
in the second round with where they were picking and not have to trade up for the Quebec man uh, from Syracuse. Paul, I have a really quick point that will be real quick. You know that they since they drafted Bijan, he's like already because of where he was picked, one of the six or seven highest paid running backs. He's the, the fourth league. highest paid running back in the league. Fourth, fourth. That that's also something that I go. It, it, it's 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 just it's a it don't make sense. It, it's a front office malpractice, is what it is. Mm. They got they got Tyler Algier in the fifth round, the hundred fifty first pick. He went over a thousand yards. Is is Bijan Robinson? It's is he going to go fifteen hundred? I mean. Is that really and, and look, the value? Look, I like Bijan. I think I you know, hearing his interviews and things like that, I think he's a quality young man. Like, and I, I think that unfortunately for Falcons fans, had something to, like the the Falcons front office really dug into that, and they were like, "We want quality guys." And I want football players, man. Like, I don't care if this guy doesn't talk to the media at all. He doesn't even like doesn't even want to talk to the media. Doesn't doesn't bother me. I want football players. But this guy is like happy-go-lucky. He's like, yeah, man, I'm so excited to be a Falcon. I love it here in Atlanta. No, man, I mean, he's cool, but same time, I don't know, man. If you were going to draft a running back, you could have just traded your two first-round picks and gotten Lamar and done gone that down that route. That's where I'm getting at with that. I don't even want to get into the fact that, you know, Nolan Smith, Broderick Jones, you could have brought in Broderick Jones. Oh, I know who Paul really wanted, Jason. We all know who Paul really wanted. He wanted them to go, you know what? He fell. Take Will Levis. You know that's what Paul wants. That's his boy. <laughs> that's saying. who they were trying to trade into the first round for, actually. Well, Brent's the point for the <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, Jason, you know it's all Brent's fault why Bijan ended up there. He called it like two months ago. He did. We laughed at him. The biggest thing I've ever seen in my I life. I laughed and at Brent him. Man. Here. I was like, watch, the Falcons do not rule out Bijan Robinson at eight. I'm like, you're crazy, Brent. They they did it. Dane said was- they should be fired. Yeah. I mean, you just look, I mean, puts that Kenny McIntosh. Like, do you think Bijan Robinson is going to just completely outperform Kenny McIntosh? I, I thought Caleb Huntley looked good too last year. I did too. I just, I don't, that's what, I, don't I don't see the need. I, I mean, it's, yeah. is this guy, okay, I'm going straight. I like, I hope no Sean's not listening. I think Ty Gurley's the greatest halfback I've ever seen at Georgia. I mean, I wasn't alive when, when Herschel was here, but Ty Gurley's generational. Is B. John Robinson Ty Gurley? Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. I don't know. But like, is he really worth the eighth pick of the draft? I mean, is he going to go out there and be Ty Gurley? I don't know that – I mean, is he going to be LaDainian Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson? And is he going to is he going to get past his rookie contract? Is that the only contract he sees in Atlanta? Or, I mean, will he oh, get – you, you know that's the only contract he sees. Yes, absolutely. So, the eighth pick of the draft, you get four years, and you send him down the road. And, I mean, you could have had a generational defensive tackle. Well, think of the thing of everybody though, because now you you know all those contracts will eventually come up and you may not have a quarterback. So, I mean – who 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 do you resign to keep out of your uh, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bijan Robinson? All those salaries are, are ginormous by the time it comes to that next contract. And then you have a quarterback in Desmond Ritter right now. You have no idea what you're going to do if you have to draft another guy next year. You know you have to plan for that contract. This reminds me. Hands out. I mean, again, it, it's it's the long term outlook on this is so piss poor. From a front office management standpoint, it reminds me of the Giants when the Giants took Saquon. It's Dave Gettleman. The number two pick. <laughs> your <laughs> offensive line is bottom five in the league. You take a running back. Like, okay, 
You're just saying, hey, you're flashy and you're going to get killed here. You're going to get hurt. But what happened with Saquon? He tore his like, Achilles like twice yeah. in like three years. That's what's going to happen to you. I always say if you're in the top 10, unless your offense and defensive line are both like top 10, top five, you either get a quarterback, you get a big time like edge rusher, D lineman, or you get no lineman. You, unless you're a superstar team, you don't take a flashy position. You don't take receiver. You don't take DB. You know, you'll, I'm, I'm also kind of against taking inside linebacker in the first round now to a degree because it's not as valued in the NFL. Like you can't take that position unless you're like Dallas at the end of the first Dallas could have done it. Yeah. Dallas took Bijan. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. They have good O-line. They're, they're a playoff team. Maybe he gives them the boost over the edge. Unless you're a team like that, or Philadelphia could have honestly done it, mm-hmm. unless you're a team like that, you should not take a running back in the first round. You just shouldn't. Yeah, it's hard to even say, like, especially a team like the Falcons, like, is it worth taking them in the second round? You know, like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, they're not good enough. Like, it's like you're not getting enough value. I don't, I mean, you need linemen. Like, I'm be all for drafting O line and D line every pick and go with it. But it's just, there's no, there's no value. There, there's a waste of pick. I mean, um, well, enough about these sorry Falcons, man. Let's let's move on. Um, Andy, I'm I'm gonna let you go. I see Eddie's waiting in here, um, but I appreciate you 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 staying with us and ranting with us about these Falcons. Oh yeah, it's been eating me up since Thursday night. I just kind of just you know, it's the life of a Falcon fan. Yeah, it's fun. It's so much fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's something. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. See you. All right, man. See you. See you, Andy. Um, let me get Eddie in here. Eddie. Hey, boys. Hey, well, we, we've got we've gotten on our soapbox about these Falcons a little bit, but I do want to move on from the Falcons. So if, if you don't mind, can we talk about these other are you got one thing to say? That's OK. Yeah. Well, um, let me get the good out of the way. Um, I think Bijan is going to be you guys may have said this already. It's going to be Alvin Kamara part two, but I think he's going to be better than Alvin Kamara. He's that kind of a back. I think he's really going to be good. And I told you guys this was going to happen, right? I did predict this. Um, this is exactly what Arthur Smith wants to do, pound the rock. And I knew when B. John Robbins was available, he was going to pick him, no doubt about it. And it'll be great for the offense. I really think it will. But the but of that is B. John Robinson is a luxury pick. And the Falcons are not in the business right now of picking luxury picks. They're not a luxury franchise at this point. No way, okay? And – Jalen Carter sitting there. You got to take him. That's a generational player on your defense. Not only that, guys, this is what drives me crazy. And I, I don't know if it's Arthur Blank, if it's – I think it's Arthur Blank. I'll just I can, I can give you the answer right now. It's Arthur, <laughs> Blank, it's Arthur Blank and Rich McKay. And okay. a lot of it's Rich McKay. Yeah. So – but, but Jason, I would think a businessman as smart as Arthur Blank is would understand that – if you bring a kid on board that you need, by the way, that's a generational talent that has been on one of the best programs in college football history, two years running, is going to sell PSLs if you sign this guy. I would think he would jump to the podium to get a kid like that on board because it just it brings people like myself, tons of other people that I follow or talk to are humongous Georgia fans and kind of eh about the Falcons. You bring somebody like that on board, Jordan, you know, same last year with Jordan Davis and he didn't do it, that puts butts in the seats that care more about this franchise. I just don't understand it from that perspective. Doesn't make sense, Eddie. What does make sense, though, um, is the rest of these picks for the dogs, man. Um, 
Broderick Jones, my buddy, he's a huge Steelers fan. Uh, I hate that. Huge Steelers fan. And we're just getting bombarded right now with uh, people trying to connect to the – stop stop connecting if you're not a, a Georgia fan. Um, anyways, uh, sorry to throw off my game there. He texted me and was like, yo, he doesn't follow college football. He's like, yo, tell me about this Broderick kid. And I was like, I think you got a 10-year left tackle. A great place for Broderick, Broderick to go was to the Steelers up there. And then right after him, Nolan gets to go with his buddies up to up to Philadelphia. So there's your first uh, three your three first round picks. Um, who out of those three? We'll go around the horn here. Uh, who out of those three has the most successful career? And, and we're not trying to doubt the other two. The, the, all three of them might be all pros. Who out of those three has the has the best uh, best career? Jason, we'll start with you, Ben, and then Eddie. You're talking about the three first rounders. Three first round picks, yep. Um, it's hard not to think Broderick Jones. Yeah, just because of where he is, the position. If he stays healthy, you like what he did at Georgia. He translates so well to the NFL game. Um, he he can be the cornerstone for that offensive line, and they they need help so badly. You know, the, over the first what half two thirds of the season, Najee Harris was just getting like couldn't get any room and just getting killed. And they they started getting a little better as the season, uh, w- you know, went down, uh, finished up and everything. But uh, I, I think he he probably has the best chance of being most successful. Um, really, nature of the position uh, and, and what we've seen so far. But I think the other two guys can can be equally as successful. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Jalen Carter's generational talent. You hope that uh, everything lines up well. He'll, he's going into a great culture with four former teammates. Uh, now with him, who really understand him and can help him if things are, are going a way that that uh, you know is not expected. And then of course uh, Nolan Smith, we all know the kind of character and the kind of person um, he is and what he brings to the table. But yeah, if, if I had to pick between those three, uh, I, I like Broderick Jones the best, especially where he ended up. Before you go, Ben, Miss Mary Embroidery, she is a big part of the family here on the call-in show on the POS, says, uh, feels like they all ended up in places where they all have a chance to succeed. I couldn't agree more. There yeah. isn't a guy, I'm going down this list, even through like all the way to Kenny McIntosh. All these guys ended up in really good organizations. So uh, none of these guys ended up in a place where I was like, man, this guy's not going to be able to at least have a chance to, to have a really good career. Ben, uh, I think you're in agreement. Broderick Jones, probably the, the best fit. Uh, yeah. Founder. I wish Broderick success, even though I wish his team lose every game. <laughs> but I'll admit, like, for as much as I hate the Pittsburgh Steelers, I hate them more than any other team ever. They know offensive players. Like, I, I'll say this, like, Jason knows this because he covered the Ravens. I'm a fan. They draft every position good but receiver. They've never drafted a good one. Whenever Pittsburgh drafts one, it's good. That's why I'm like, George Pickens, if you tell me Pittsburgh's willing to draft him, he's going to be good. Broderick Jones, and it kills me having to say this, with Broderick Jones, you're taking a first-round tackle, Broderick's going to be damn good. That organization knows, especially people know them for defense historically, which they're pretty good at. They're they're one of the top three or four organizations in football. That kills me to say it. But offensively, they rarely miss these days. And I think Broderick's going to be a guy, he's an every-down player, where Jalen Carter's going to rotate because he's on the defensive line. So I think that's going to, you know, that's one thing. And also the team he's going towards. Same with Nolan, where they're going to have like a year or two where they might be rotation or might not have to play. Broderick's going to be a starting left tackle for 10 years, you know, where he's going to be in every play left tackle. 
and he's going to an organization. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season in 15, in all 15 years as a head coach or so. He's going to a great organization. It's going to be Broderick Jones, in my opinion, because he's the safe pick. Uh, Eddie, what you got? So I may be mistaken about this. Wasn't Broderick Jones one of the highest rated either linemen or players ever graded, I'm saying, at the University of Georgia? Am I wrong about that? I could have sworn I had read that somewhere. Um, anyway, yeah. Is that right? Not, yeah, uh, he was second to Mims, I think, ever. In okay. terms of in terms well, of being uh, the highest graded as in performance, you know, they grade. Yeah, can you hear me? Like the PFF, PFF? or yeah, PFF, PFF. Thank yeah. you, Jason. Um, anyway, all that being said, um, uh, Ben kind of said what I was going to say is that uh, Jalen and <clears throat> Nolan are going to be more rotational, and that team is already loaded. They're kind of walking into a loaded situation. Uh, secondly. Let's not discount Broderick Jones is going to have Darnell Washington on the line with him. And I think that helps him right there become an even better player. So I would say Broderick Jones, no doubt. I want to say this. I mean, not to, to pile on to the Steelers and depress Ben even more, but <laughs> Darnell, Darnell Washington going to Pittsburgh, they need to improve their run blocking tremendously. And they, they added Darnell Washington to the I mix. I mean, uh, it's, I, th that to me, that those are two absolutely unreal picks. That yeah, was hilarious. Uh, for you guys that aren't privy, we have a group chat uh, that all of us UGA sports members are are a part of, well, members of uh, faculty, I guess you could say. And uh, Brent Rollins put in the chat that Darnell had been drafted by the Steelers before we saw it on TV. I guess he saw it in a tweet. And um, Ben instantly wrote back uh, a very bad word and then off. Um, because uh, <laughs> because he, he does not like the Steelers. And obviously, Darnell Washington uh, being that pick, he's the next guy to come off the board. So we had to wait a little bit, guys. Friday night was a weird night um, because I tweeted out. I was like, hey, man, how many dogs go? And I think a lot of people had two or three. And we saw one go right at the end of the night. Uh, and I thought Keely Ringo was going to go second round. Obviously, something yeah. happened with him, uh, which we haven't heard anything. With Darnell Washington, we heard uh, – and this is so weird how this comes out, right? Because as folks who cover the team and are on the beat and, you know, big-time fans like Eddie who stay up on this type of stuff, none of us had heard anything about Darnell's knees swelling up at the combine. Yeah. Like, th that was just so out of left field. And it's like – what I think this the NFL and Jason alludes to it a lot. Like we think of this as this mighty organization, but it just seems like sometimes it's just this big group of telephone. And the first guy hears it, and then by the time it gets to the tenth GM, they're like, "Darnell does not have knees. Don't draft him. He's as absolute. He does not have knees. They took well, him out of birth." What what probably what probably happened is he probably had some knee swelling at the combine. And again, it goes back to the overthinking of things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It, that, that, yeah, that information doesn't get out. It's never made public. But usually in the, in the case of Darnell, where you think you're going late first round, second round, and then you fall to the end of the third, because of this, you start putting out that information. Hey, my guy has a knee issue or knee swelling. It's not a big deal, but that's the concern. To kind of, to kind of downplay the reason why he's – falling in the draft and that that would be my best guess as to why suddenly out of nowhere you know todd mcshay or, or whoever else is 
is saying, well, he's got a uh, teams are, are concerned about knee issues. Um, yeah, <laughs> that, that wouldn't be anything a team would would put out there because you know these teams want him to keep falling, but then all of a sudden you put that mm-hmm. out, and then that's going to drive more interest to take him before it's too late. Why is this an every year thing, though? It's I an every like, year no. thing. It's Three year. years in a row, the biggest faller has been a Georgia player over a previous medical from years ago. Darnell last year it was Nicobe, and the year before it was Aziz. When I saw Aziz, I'm like, a guy led the SEC in sacks. Like that was the pick that made me piss at the Ravens. Was they picked J- Adafe Owe had zero sacks his last year in college. A guy had zero sacks his last year in college and was picked in the first round. And Aziz Oshoy led the SEC in sacks and was not picked until like the late second. How does that make sense? I don't even. I understand Trayvon Walker went number one because of the measurables and stuff like that. But at least he had production, and at least you knew. Okay, he may have not been in his natural position. There's a lot of arguments for why he went high. And he did it at the combine versus a random pro day. Where this guy runs like a four six, had zero sacks. But I digress. But anyway, Aziz gets an injury from high school. He drops down the late second. And Kobe gets a cleanup surgery after his sophomore year. Drops him to the middle of the third when he was the best linebacker in the country, not even close. And then Darnell Washington, you're not going to get at least from a blocking standpoint and just as a sheer specimen as for a tight end. There's not one like him. Look at Mercedes Lewis. He's been in the league for like 80 years, it feels like. <laughs> He's just like him. I don't understand why this one little medical, unless you're telling me his knee's degenerated and he's never going to play, unless you can prove that to me, like it's like Todd Gurley, whose knee just fell off, then it, you can't justify it. Yeah, Eddie, what, what was your take? So Friday night, I don't know if you're watching the draft or not. You might have been watching basketball. I know you like your sports. What was your take when you're sitting there? Because for me, man, second and third round, I'm like, uh, where where are the dogs at? You know, who let the dogs yeah, out? Or, little, or who put them back in the kennel? Yeah, it was a little surprising to me, no doubt. Um, and both of you guys probably touched on the reasons why some of the smokescreen stuff, it seems like. But I tell you, the biggest shock to me was Kenny McIntosh. Didn't he go, what, 273? Wasn't he that, that big? What, Seventh what, round, what? yeah. Yeah. I, I don't get that. I mean, Seattle got an absolute steal with Kenny McIntosh in the seventh round. I mean, that's just insane that he dropped that far. That kid out of the backfield. And he said it when he got drafted. He was like, whatever you want me to do, up the middle, round the edge, I'll catch a pass. I bought for you, whatever. I'm ready. And that's the way he played football. He did everything well as a running back. And to drop that far just blew me away. And again, it's it's one of it's one of those things, right? Where everybody who's a fan of a team thinks that their guys are probably a little bit better than they are. Okay. Let's because because you've watched them. You've you've relied on him to take your alma mater to to better heights, right? But I totally agree with you on Kenny Mack. I think that his 40 time hurt him a ton. Mm-hmm. But you, when when you look at a forty time like that, you're in four six five. I think you have to turn back on the tape, right? Yeah. And and Andy Stowe, I, I beat you to it. Andy Andy wrote it in the chat. His forty time hurt him, but he plays faster than his forty time. With guys like Kenny McIntosh, the NFL again kind of overanalyzes things, and they go and find this running back out of you know Southwest State University. They're like, this guy's better than Kenny McIntosh. He ran a four four nine. And had 700 yards rushing. Well, Kenny McIntosh ran against every defensive lineman that got drafted in the first round and didn't drop a pass his entire career. But you want to look at his four six five. So yeah, Kenny McIntosh is one of those guys. I, I, you know, for a while there, 
hell, there was only 10 more picks, I think, in, in the seventh round. I thought he wasn't going to get drafted. I was going to say somebody's going to pick up a heck of an undrafted free agent, but the Steelers made a great call there. I just wonder. It goes back to how dumb I think the Falcons are. You you, you pass. Sorry, Jason, I'll say this real quick. You pass on B. John Robinson. You take Jalen Carter. You can just have Kenny McIntosh anytime you want later on. Tell me he doesn't fit that scheme that Arthur Smith's running. Sorry, any run, any, any running back with a pulse, Eddie fits Arthur Smith's scheme well, if he if he can run. You know, so let's uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just I wonder, you know, if in the lead up to the combine, if uh, and before Kenny McIntosh is running his forty, if he was testing in the high four or fives, I wonder if he should have just scrapped it. And uh, you know, when you when you put a time like that out there, it's going to make teams think and. Obviously, that hurt his draft stock, even though we saw what he did at Georgia. And, yes, the game's a lot faster in the NFL. Uh, everybody's fast. Everybody's elite. So um, those things will weigh maybe a little heavier than they should And when it comes to the front offices because, you know, when, when you're trying to decipher and pick between a lot of these running backs who otherwise have had really successful college careers, you're then trying to say, okay, where's the advantage? And if you run a 4-6 – you're going to end up that that's going to end up downgrading you more than probably it should. And if uh, it makes me wonder whoever was advising him, if he was running kind of goes back to Elijah Holyfield too. I mean, whoever's advising these guys when they're testing, not great at the 40, you know, uh, should they even, should they even do it? There's a reason why a lot of guys these days are skipping that, uh, especially the more high profile guys. There's no, need to accidentally set yourself up for failure. Maybe him Um, running into Maybe him running wide open in the end zone and falling down kept him, going to seven <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah. I do actually have a question because you've been bringing up like steals. You already know what my answer is for who's the biggest steal well, of all the UGA well, players picked. You know what my answer is. Yeah, I know who it is. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's also the one player who probably went to the only organization I'd say is questionable because their correct. organization track correct. record is correct. Correct. subpar, which is uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Christopher Smith, I'm telling you, the Raiders secondary always is awful. He might be one of the top two or three DBs on that team right away. I looked at their safeties they have. They're subpar at best. It's nice. You said, you, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. You said, you said Christopher Smith, one of their top two or three DBs day one? Their DBs are horrific. I don't think you understand how bad the Raiders <laughs> DBs are. <laughs> their defense in general is awful. Okay. All right. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, they're pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, lying. like you, you – for as much as you bash the Falcons today, the Falcons should kill the Raiders. They, they, their roster should be much better, and they should be able to just beat up the Raiders. Like, the Raiders are, are a joke. They are. They're soft in the trenches, and their secondary can't cover me. So I, I look at, you know, Christopher Smith and say, that is one of the smartest football players that, that they've had in the Kirby Smart era. And if he ran, and remember, Paul, me and you were going at it last week, when Lewis Riddick on the broadcast said, if this guy was at least like a 4-4-40 type guy, he would have been at least a second-round pick because he would have been in a down safety year. It's the speed. If he was fast, he would have been a second-round pick, which for safety is elite. Let's be real here. That speed kills him because people think if they ever have to match him up one-on-one versus a, a guy like that, they get a mismatch, they could kill him down the field. That's why he dropped. But if it, outside of the, the concerns about his long speed, he's – He's as solid of a safety as it comes. And I think if you get him in the fifth round for a team that all around is awful, I think he might be the steal of all the Georgia players. Uh, one question before we go, Eddie, who, uh, before I let you roll, cause we got to jump to the rest sure. of these guys. Oh, yeah. uh, who, your favorite uh, Bulldog landing spot 
out of all of them. And it doesn't have to be because we already talked about the first rounders who we think is going to be the best, the best fit out of all the guys uh, that got drafted. Who do you see? Um, I know this is crazy, but I'm curious to see what Stetson Bennett does out in L.A. Oh, you crazy son of a gun. That's Mm. how I was going to say. Stafford, Stafford's long in the tooth, man. You never know. Uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm with you, Eddie. I'm with you. I'll, uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, it sucks because you, you don't root for injury, and but you don't want to, you know, this is the one guy you don't root to lose his job. You know, so many other quarterbacks, you'd be like, yeah, I want, I want something bad to happen. And then that's like, not, Bad as in like injury, but bad as in he doesn't play well, and then Stetson gets a chance. So uh, that that's the part that uh, that that kind of sucks when when you look at Stetson. But yeah, I, I would love nothing more than to see him get an opportunity on the field as a rookie. Yeah. Eddie, that's a hell of a pick. And oh, Penn didn't want me to tell you something on that. He goes, maybe now it's not Stetson versus Justin Fields who's better. Now the debate is, is it Stetson or Matthew Stafford who's the better <laughs> quarterback? That's yeah. what Penn wanted me to tell you. Because that's hey. the biggest loss in the draft is we did not get Stetson in Chicago for yeah, the whole board and the whole Georgia yeah. fandom going that nuts. Him versus Fields. <laughs> but, uh, Eddie, man, we appreciate you jumping on with us as always, Thank my you guys. friend. Have a great night. See ya. Take care, Eddie. You too. All right, guys, we've, we've talked about almost every prospect. We haven't jumped really into uh, Keely Ringo, Stetson, Robert Beal, Warren McClendon. Um, first off, let's talk about Keely real quick. I, I don't know why he dropped. Um maybe had you told me at the beginning of the year or told anybody at the beginning of the year, Keith Ringo is going to get drafted fourth round, third pick. Do you want over under that? Um, I think everybody would have taken the under and here we are at him with the fourth, fourth uh, round going to the Eagles. I mean, goodness gracious, that team up there is going to be fun to watch them uh, just because there's going to be so many dogs on the field and Swift gets traded to him. Uh, Keely Ringo, I think what hurt him were his hips but he also played a lot of man coverage. So best, best of luck to him. It, you guys got anything you want to talk about on Keeley? Cause I'm going to go to Stetson. The only thing that stands out, the first thing I thought of as he was falling was I think a lot of us uh, really uh, thought negatively of that story that cited the assistant coach who said Keeley Ringo is not that good of a football player. I think it was heading, was it heading into the Tennessee game? was something like that. It just felt like it came out of nowhere and um, and that it just wasn't true. And I, may, maybe there's just something, maybe there's some just real technical stuff that we're missing uh, when it comes to Keeley. Because, uh, I mean, that that one that one was obviously the biggest surprise, more of a surprise than Kenny falling to the seventh round. I mean, uh, really, really didn't. I thought late second round at worst for Keely Ringo. So to see him see him early in the fourth was was really a shock. And the Eagles even said that they didn't think he was, you know, and the Eagles didn't need a corner really. So just uh, that's a luxury pick for them right now. And, and he, he gets to learn from, a, you know, uh, as Howie Roseman said, a pro, some pro bowlers in the secondary. So um, it just makes you wonder uh, what's what was being said, what people actually think of him uh, that – that we we might not be seeing. That's the only thing that that really comes to mind right now. I, I'm confused because even if some team said maybe it's best to move him to safety, if he was a safety, he might be the best safety in this class. Honestly, with his skill set, and then you yeah, look at the Branch is tiny and four runs a four six. I mean, he's the same size and speed as Chris Smith, and you know, 
you're, you're telling me that a guy who's 6'2 with that, that level of speed, if the stiffness is an issue, put Keely, and you want to put Keeley at safety, he would be a top 50 pick. There's no debate. Even as a corner, remember Tyson Campbell was a guy who everyone was like, he can't get his head around, can't play the ball. Got picked top of the second round. He's a, he was a top five corner in the NFL this year. I think that with more time to grow and to learn behind two great DBs like Slay and Bradbury, I think he's going to have a long NFL career. I really do. I, I, because I just look at it as he's in the right situation and he's in a similar deal that Tyson Campbell was, where a lot of people had similar um, similar gripes about him. And I remember hearing the same safety argument about Tyson Campbell. And look, he made it out pretty well in the NFL so far. Uh, shout out to Christy. Thanks for joining us a little later on here, Christy. Uh, she says Stetson Stafford, well, uh, 100% Stetson. That was her favorite pick. Uh, Stafford would help his dog brother. Um, yeah, guys, again, we talked about Keeley and said, hey, man, Keeley Ringo, fourth round pick, over under. You would have taken the under. And we say Stetson Bennett, fourth round pick. You probably would have taken the over. But if you go back a few shows, guys, I'm uh, pretty sure I said fourth round for Stetson. Pretty sure I did. Somebody I said did. third round. Was it you, Ben? Somebody said third round. I think it was you that said third round. I said up to third round, but I, okay. I made it on fourth. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was I was fifth, I think, the whole way. Yeah. Um, and Brent said third round to the Dolphins. Yeah, I love that. I oh, love that's that right. Pick, that's right. I love that. I said fourth all the way. Did you really? Okay. Yeah, because I think some, some people are going as high as third, and then some people are saying late. I go, I'm just going to stick the fourth. Because then, honestly, the only reason I picked fourth because I was like, this is the safest – I don't look like I'm going too high or too low. And <laughs> but here's the here's no. the thing. Uh Chrissy says she was fourth and she said, uh, y'all know the dogs are elite when we have a swamp lizard alum going to bat for us. <laughs> so uh, that's good, Chrissy. Yeah. So, Paul, also, I, I also have one quick question. So if before the year you, you were talking about, oh, None if we had the over under for like, Keely Ringo. Your your questions are never quick. No, They're, no, no. Like no. a long this, story. This a Would you have said Will Levis and Stetson Bennett were within two rounds of each other, Paul? No, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. No, I wouldn't. Oh, wow. Have. I wouldn't have. You no. loser. Uh, <laughs> for your Heisman, Paul's Heisman, Will Levis. Not even going first round. It's the Paul curse. It's the Paul yeah, curse. It is. It is. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. But, hey, man, Stetson Bennett going to the Rams, guys. I want to kind of deep dive into this. Then we've got about 10 more minutes. We'll talk about Beal and McClendon going to the Rams. Hell, McClendon's going to start at right tackle, and Sawyer's going to be our left tackle. And they, they got him in fifth and sixth Sawyer's round. on the Chargers. Wrong LA. Okay, whatever. So one of them's going to start at left tackle. Uh, well, and, and, and and they are moving <laughs> Sawyer back to guard now that uh, – Okay, one of them's going to start at guard. Slater, Slater is healthy, yeah. So. Okay, so one of them's going to start at guard. One of them's going to start for the Rams. <laughs> yeah, whatever, guys. You get what I'm freaking saying, okay? <laughs> um, tomato, tomato. But back to Stetson, I don't think – if you look at the teams that – uh, you know, quarterbacks in the league. I don't think Stetson could have gone to a better place because now if you look at the Rams depth chart guys, and I'm going to pull it up real quick. I don't think they had a backup quarterback like on their roster. Let me see. Yeah, yeah. I think they were all gone. Cause even, even the Rams tweeted something out that was like quarterback room before the draft. And it was like the fresh Prince of Bel-Air empty room in the last episode. And it was just Stafford. And then it was like quarterback room after the draft and that's Stafford and Stetson. Yeah, and that's so, it. So they have on their depth chart, they literally have Stafford and Stetson. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if he could have gone to a better place. Stetson. No. The Rams got a veteran quarterback. They got a vet. He's 25, yeah. Oh, man. They I mean, got a vet. 
That's like the guy. That's like the same thing that uh, when the Falcons were drafting Demarco Hellums in the seventh round, and somebody in the crowd was like twenty-eight to three, and the guy was like, "Oh yeah, twenty-eight to three. I've heard that joke before." And like he walks off. It's the same thing with Stetson Bennett. Like, damn, we get it. He's old, but like, so is Hinton Hooker. So is half the guys. Minus three is twenty-five. <laughs> so <it's- laughs> that's, that's also good. But here's the thing. Like, there's a lot of guys in the draft this year, Ben. Not just. Stetson, they were old because of the COVID years and they took six years in college. Yes, Stetson was the most, you know, hyped up about him because obviously he's he's been around for a while and won two national titles back to back as a quarterback. But there were a lot of guys in this draft that uh that were old. Um, there was like a lineman from Wisconsin, I want to say that was the same age as Stetson, if not a little older. So, anyways, Stetson landed in a great spot, I think, uh, over there with the Rams. Robert Beal with the 49ers in the fifth round, right after uh, Ben Choppy Bachman's favorite boy, Chris Smith, going to the Raiders. Uh, I hope Robert Beal can stay on the team. I, I loved I loved uh, him coming back. He is the quintessential poster child of don't transfer, you will get drafted to the NFL even if you don't play your first few years. Uh, he, he's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's that guy, unlike Will Levis. Um, you know, with Robert Beal, he went to a place that when you look at the 49ers, I mean, he went to like the best defensive line coach and D line room in the NFL. Like, you can't get developed or go to a better D line situation than Robert Beal went to in San Francisco. So, even if he's like a rotational piece or he's a backup for a bit, with his athleticism and with what San Francisco gets out of their players, I mean, they're probably one of the top three or four teams in the NFL. It's perfect for him. So I think Robert Beal might have in terms of just situation, even though we don't have the highest hopes for him compared to the others, he might have went to the best situation possible. I don't think there's a better team he could have went to. You look at the surrounding cast around him. So if he is pressed into duty as a rookie or or next year or the year after that, um, the way that they have built the defense in San Francisco, he's it's kind of like the way the Niners, the Ravens, the Steelers – um, there, there's a handful of teams where guys who you don't really know much about or were late round picks and they're special teamers, but then they have to to actually play and, and, and then they look good. And that could be Robert Beal. Just a lot of it has to do with surrounding cast and coaching staff and stability. And all of that is there in San Francisco. Um, it's kind of like with, with Stetson. I think there were, you know, in terms of system, it's really the Kyle Shanahan tree or the Sean McVay tree. And then he gets to go to Sean McVay. And I feel the same way about Robert Beal. There's just those, those cultural defense, defensive culture, however you want to say it, franchises that uh, just know how to develop and build around uh, their scheme. And, and San Francisco is one of them. So really Stetson and Robert Beal landed in fantastic spots. Last one, guys, Warren McClendon. We already talked about Kenny McIntosh in the seventh round. Warren McClendon going to the Rams. Uh, I think he fits right in there, too. Uh, you know, they they have they have, they have have some guys, but, again, right tackle, they have Rob Havenstein at right tackle. I think this guy's like almost – yeah, he's 30 years old. He's been in the league forever, though. Um, you know, so he gets to learn from him. And the two undrafted players for Georgia, Kiaris Jackson and Jack Pod Lesney, both find homes. Kiaris Jackson going to the Titans on an undrafted free agent deal. And then Pod went to the Vikings. Yeah. How, how good is their kicker? Because they yeah. ain't got an all world kicker. He got a shot. Yeah. Jack Pod's got a, got a chance there. So, uh, you know, all 12 guys for Georgia end up at homes. Warren Erickson, we told you um, his name was in the draft. 
It's not on NFL.com, though, but his name was technically in the draft. Uh, we didn't expect him to get drafted or picked up in an undrafted free agency. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him back maybe in Athens, uh, you know, trying to help the team out some way uh, this this offseason. So, guys, we went through the draft. We, we harped on these Falcons being allergic to dogs. Um, it strikes again. It, it hurts. Uh, but, you know, we'll get to watch a cool running back next year for uh, the Falcons. And uh, we'll get to watch Jalen Carter, you know, blow up the interior of the NFL, NFC East uh, offensive lines while the Falcons uh, just run it up the middle, halfback dive with B. John Robinson. So what we were doing before. But anyways, um, you know, I digress. I Jason sent me a message and, and said to go off on on the Falcons uh, right after Bijan was 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 drafted. My words were "let it rip" on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, let it rip. And you know, it's it's one of those things where I could say they're a poverty franchise again, but I'm not going to. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna rise above it like the Falcons oh, do. Oh, I'm, gonna rise, oh. I'm gonna rise up. Um, you like that, Jason? No, but, not at all. <laughs> Falcon, oh, Falcon's gonna Falcon, man. And uh, Actually, I did some research. Pod might have a shot. Ben, ben I was having a really good monologue right there. Ben, a great. <laughs> I, I was doing research because I said I want to see how good Pod. You know, the kicker that he's going up against, a Florida Gator that he's going up against, the kicker. It's going to be a battle. Georgia versus Florida, the kicking battle in the dome in Minnesota. <laughs> just take us, just take us out, Ben. Just take us All out. Right. Yeah, take us home. You, you know what? You, That's Paul Meharry. Yeah. That's Jason Butt. Yeah. I'm the go to the show. Yeah. Take care. Bye. <laughs> no, we're not done yet. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Paul can't handle it. He can't handle somebody taking, taking the I show. I can't out. do that. No, guys, we appreciate you so much. Please go ahead and like the video. Maybe, uh, you know, we can have a nice monologue to end the show one week instead of Ben just. Did you hear, Ben? I want to, real quick before we leave, did you hear anything I was saying there? Your questions look, take too long, bud. Look, I'm asking you a question. Did you hear anything I said there, or were you just solely focused on the kickers? And then once you found what you found, you're like an ADHD young child and just had to spit it out right then. Oh, did I listen to what you were saying? No, I haven't listened to what you're saying this whole show. All right, guys. Well, that's the show, guys. We appreciate it so much, guys. Thanks again for tuning in with us. We'll be here next week, 7:30, to talk about Georgia football. And uh Maybe we'll get somebody to fill in for Ben. I don't know. Thanks again, guys. This is the Sunday Colin Show presented by UGA Sports. I'm Paul Meharry, Jason Butt, Ben Bachman. If you're missing the show, check it out on the podcast, and uh, we'll see you later. Thanks.